Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Awesome. Do you believe that? You really believe it? So good. Father, we just thank you so much for the truth of the gospel as we've shared in this morning. The good news, Father, that we can be here and uh, maybe we've had different weeks, rough weeks, things are up and down, but we can put a smile on our face and say, praise God, because the gospel is still good news and we just thank you for it this morning. And Father, we just pray right now as we just open up your word, Lord, just do something beyond human intellect, something beyond human power this morning. And we receive it and everyone with faith said, amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. Good to see everybody this morning. Great to be with you. Great to be in church this morning. Um, Hope you've had a good week. Hope you can get some muffled amens out through that mask. (laughs) Excellent. My name's Brad. If I haven't met you, one of the pastors here, and it's great to be with you this morning and uh, sharing God's Word together. And if if you've been coming, you know our January series has been called um, Who, Who We Are. Because you know that it is really more important to focus on your who before your do. <laughs> because when we really know who we are, we know what to do. And so I really pray that the ministry of, of the preaching ministry here, and whoever speaks in time to time, that, that we really speak to the who. Because we don't want to just, it's not about just go and do this, do this. But when you really know who you are, when you really know who you are in Christ, when you really know how he's created you uh, with, the, with a special purpose that you're unique. Out of your who comes your do. Otherwise, everything is just do-do. And we don't want that, do we? So that's an important message there. So we're looking at some important things about who we are. And today, uh, these are found on our website. There's sort of four key things. So we've got one more next week. Um, and uh, then we're going to be going into February. And it uh, looks like things will continue on a little bit uh, as sort of half normal for, for the near future, which is great. And there are lots of things coming up in February, which um, if you don't get our church newsletter, make sure you subscribe by filling out one of the forms with your email, as was said, because we'd love you to find out things that are going on. We've got some stuff in February where we'd like to uh, get to like the family picnic coming up, but also some... Uh, uh, guests or people that have been coming to the church, uh, a new person's lunch and things like that to find out more. So we're really looking forward to everything that's going to be happening. But, but one of the things on our website we've looked at that we are more than a Sunday and uh, Tim kicked us off with that and we looked at that last week we are outward focused. Amen? Outward focused. And I pray that there's been stuff happening on your way to church this week that you can say, God, I see your hand all over that. Uh, and today is, a, is another one, and this is what it says on our website on the next screen. It says it's about being future focused. And it says that we have an intentional focus on the future generations of believers. We have an emphasis on young families and the next generation. We are passionate about seeing young people, catch this, meet and follow Jesus and engage in the life of of the church. Thank you. Isn't that so true? And just the fact that we've got some uh, youth baptisms next week. And by the way, they're not all youth baptisms. We've got somebody who is def- not a youth anymore, uh, older than a youth, and they're getting baptized. And I'm really looking forward to that. So that's another one found out this week. Praise the Lord. And so it doesn't matter how old you are, baptisms next week, bank, being able to uh, uh, commit to the Lord in that way is a powerful thing. But we are passionate about seeing the next generation become all they're created to be here at Kalamunda. 
It, it is a focus. But I want to say this morning, it is not at the demise of any other generation. As I've said before, a great family photo of a great healthy church doesn't just have one generation. It's got the great-grandparents, the grandparents, the parents, the kids, and the pregnant people that are about to bring more kids in, hey? Like it's, it's all generations, even the unborn. And so we're passionate about all generations. But this morning, I do want to focus on how we are to... Uh, work as a church, how we are to minister together and, be, and really make this a focus with the next generation because studies show, and you would have heard these statistics, doesn't matter which one you read, whether it was a Barna survey or whatever, it's around uh, 90% of people who make a decision to follow Jesus, some will say more than that, about 90% of people who make a decision to follow Jesus make that decision around the ages of 18 uh, under 20, around that age group, even younger. And so whichever way you look at it, that's where the, what the stats say, that it's an important focus. It is a real important focus because um, that's just the way it is. And so we, we don't want to miss that opportunity. We don't want to miss that. And uh, if you look in the next scripture here in Judges 2, chapter 10, it says this interesting scripture. It says, all, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. What a powerful thought and a scary thought and a sobering thought. And there, there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. There was a gap. There was a disconnect. Something happened and they missed the moment. And let it not be said of us that we missed that moment in generations. Have you heard the saying, the church is only ever one generation away from extinction. Heard that saying? Uh, and that, an Anglican church, I think, said that in the UK, and they, they, I've read a bit about it, and they're like, we're only one generation away from extinction, so we need to be focusing on the next generation, building into them, investing into them, but as I said, it takes all generations to do that. So let's go to a powerful scripture. If you've got your devices there, your Bibles, go to Psalm 127, and this is going to bless you like it blessed me, I believe. Psalm 127 talks about, you know, unless um, the Lord builds the house, we, we labor in vain. So we really want to be uh, uh, allowing God to move in our lives. And then let's go to verse 3. And I love this. I love this. It says this, Behold, children... Who's looking forward to, forward to school starting again? <laughs> okay. Uh, children are a blessing from the Lord. We, we love them. We pray for them. We pray. I remember praying, oh, I can't wait for them to start talking. And then they start talking and you pray for them just to shush. And <laughs> but they are a blessing from the Lord. Children, it's a blessing from God. The fruit of the womb is a reward. A powerful thought. Verse 4, this is one I want you to catch. Like arrows, like arrows. I've got an arrow here. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. I love that thought. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gate. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior a child is the next generation. For us, our church to have the next generation, I love that thought. We, they are like arrows. and um, It's a powerful thing. I'm going to get my daughter Shakira to come up, and she's going to bring... She got given this as a birthday gift. If you want to bring me your bow and arrow, someone made this for her. Uh, one of the youth leaders at our last church blessed her with this bow and arrow. Isn't that cool? Don't point it at the audience. <laughs> but 
I want to show you something. It's an interesting thought. And I've, I've sort of seen this before. And sh 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 so, an apple? Okay, we've got one apple. Someone going to need to volunteer. <laughs> but um, I love the thought that Shakira, when it comes to generations working together, when you think about archery, archery isn't a casual sport. It isn't a casual thing where you're just like, we're going, you know, you notice you're facing it down, aren't you? Because you're not just going to wind it around here. It's, it's an important thing. In fact, when we do archery in groups or you do go on team building activities, everyone stands behind a line. Everyone gets out of the way because it's a serious thing when the, when the arrow is going to go. And so well, don't point it at anybody, but can you show me how you point it? And, and pull it right back. And, you know, this is the generation here. This is the next generation. This is our youth. This is our children. This is the arrow. And, and where they are directed is so important. But what I want to say to you is they're young and they're zealous and they're full of life and they've got energy. Can you do it again? Pull it right back. And what they need and is a picture of the younger generation. They need the older generation to be able to hold their hands over where they are to help give direction. See, I can, Shakira can use the strength. She can use the energy, but I can use the direction and I can give her that wisdom of where to go and what to do. Does that make sense? It's a powerful thought. Thanks, Shakira. You're awesome. You can go and sit down now if you like. You didn't want to. Did you? And it's a powerful thought of working together, how that actually looks, because we need all generations. Uh, the arrows, the youth, are, um, need their, we need their strength, but we also need the wisdom of know where, to where that arrow is going to go. And I find, I, I, make, I find that a really serious responsibility, not just with kids, but with our church, with the next generation, that we want to aim them in the direction of God's destiny, of blessing, of the future that he has for them, not in the wrong direction. Amen? And so it's so important, the next generation, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So we need spiritual mentors. We need spiritual parents. The next scripture, Psalm 145, says this, One generation shall, shall commend your works to another. To another. And so there needs to be another generation. And so it's not just one, it's one to another. God is the God of generations. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he says that, doesn't he? He's the God of generations. He's passionate about generations. It's a powerful thought. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched a relay race in the Olympics where you can have a champion team in a relay race, but there's one thing that can go wrong that can ruin the whole relay race. Isn't that, isn't that right? And what is that? That's one thing. The baton change. <laughs> or the baton change. So you can have a team of champion athletes who are the best and the fastest of what they do. And I think there is a story about it, the American team where this actually happened. And they, but if they mess up the baton change, if they drop the baton, if it doesn't go smoothly, there's a way to do it. There's a, it's not just casual. Again, it is a serious thing to get that baton change smooth so that they are released into the next direction. And that's what God's like. He, he's passionate about healthy baton changes, about spiritual baton changes. Think about it. He had Moses and Joshua all through the Bible. He had, he had Paul and Paul had Timothy as a, a son in the Lord. Don't you think we need that? I think we all need people. My mentor once said to me, Brad, you need, you need a Paul. You need somebody who is your spiritual mentor. And just on that, the youth interns that come in, I believe they need to get a mentor. They get mentors in, their, in, in um, a part of that process, which is a fantastic thing. And you need a Paul in your life that can speak sort of into your life as a father, a spiritual father. 
And you also need a Timothy. You need someone that you're giving out to, somebody that you're raising up. And you also need like a Silas. You need peers. You need people with you. And it's a, I wonder in your life, have you got that? If you think about who are those people in your life, could you, could you name who they are? Could you, and, and if you can't, that's okay. This is a great year to maybe find those people. A great year to, as a church, develop that in our church, that we are a church of generations. I think that would be an awesome thing. I know I'm so thankful for the people in my life. They've made the, the, a massive difference. But I also know what it's like, and you may know what it's like, I feel like you can't give what you don't have. And so you can feel like you're pioneering this stuff because you're like, oh, well, I've never had that. And that, that is difficult, I think. And some people, that's why this message today is not just about for young people. You could, be, you could be in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, but you've never really had that in your life. And so this is a great year to say, what does that look like for me? What does it look like to have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Silas in my life? I mean, even Jesus had to do a fantastic baton change with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died and when he ascended to heaven, then he said, I'm going to send the Comforter, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. In the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when it had come, and then the Holy Spirit comes and his presence is here today because of the Holy Spirit. There was a changing, a shifting of, of um, the baton even in Jesus' life. So let, let me take you to another scripture, and this is the one we're going to land on. And it's a baton change from a famous um, couple of people in the Bible, one called Elijah and one called Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. Uh, and they have, Elijah had a powerful ministry. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19, but just to give you a bit of context, Elijah's a powerful, powerful prophet of God, and he has just seen some amazing victories in his life. He's like, and I want you to think of this as I preach this this morning about Elijah being, being the, the generation in the church that's maybe the more mature generation, the, the more senior generation, and Elisha being the next generation. And Elijah had just uh, ripped it up at Mount Carmel and he had had a great victory over the enemy and he had, you know, saw God move in powerful, powerful ways. So he, he knew what it was like to see amazing things happen in the life of his ministry. But he also knew what it was like to have a moment of real bad fear. And when, when the enemy would speak a word that, of defeat to him, he knew what it was like to run, to hide and to, almost, and to be almost suicidal that he was in that bad of a dark a place. And who knows, life has some ups and life has some pretty big downs. And no one is immune from that. Elijah, this prophet of God, I love what happened when he's in his down moment, when things are going bad and God comes and God ministers to him and, and God speaks to him. The Bible talks about in the chapter before a still small whisper, a small voice. God comes and ministers to Elijah. And the thing that he says, if you're going through a rough time, if you, if you don't know what the future holds, he said, I want you to go and I want you to anoint the next generation. I want you to find leaders to invest in. Isn't that a powerful thought? That so often when we're focused on ourselves, the answer is to get focused on other people. So often when we're going through a hard time ourselves, the best way to minister to yourself through that, the best way to strengthen yourself in the Lord is to go and find someone else's need to meet, to go and find someone else to encourage when you feel discouraged. Go find someone else to show mercy to when you feel like there's no mercy being shown to you. And so Elijah's going back and he's going to anoint young, the next generation. And this is where we pick it up in chapter 19. And verse 19, it says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. 
Elisha then, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burnt the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. What a barbecue this day. This was a good barbie, I tell you. And everybody's eating and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. And we see that through the ministry of Elijah, things really happen. And I want you to understand this morning when Elijah went to find Elisha, the Bible says he threw his cloak and it sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? So when he threw his cloak over him, when it's like the mantle, uh, what it means is it was, the cloak was a sign of the prophet's vocation. To cast the cloak to or upon Elisha was therefore an appropriate and significant way of designating him to the pro, pro, uh, office of prophet. So it was saying, you're, you're anointed for this. This is your next step. And so I want to give us a few thoughts this morning. How do we, as different generations, really fo- have a future focus in the next generation that breeds health in all generations? Make sense? That's what I want to say this morning. So number one is we need to be a church that throw our cloaks. Throw, if you're taking notes and you're thinking of something you want to remember this week, throw your cloak. Throw your mantle. I love how Elijah had a heart for the next generation and their place in ministry. He wasn't threatened by a younger person, another person coming up with, who would actually, you know, he asked for a double portion off Elijah, young Elisha did at the end. And, you know, he did double the amount of miracles of Elijah. And I think Elijah wasn't like, oh, man, oh, he did better than me. How annoying. You know, I was hoping when I get to heaven, I would still have outdone him. I still preached some better sermons. I had some better miracles. But no, there's Elisha, double all my stuff. He did double the amount. But no, I think Elijah there was going, awesome. Isn't that good? Don't you want, we need to be a people that want the next generation to live from our shoulders, not from our feet. To go off what we build, not try to build it all again. That we propel them and have a heart for them to do better and better than us. Amen. You should have seen the young adult service on Sunday just gone, man, I, that was fantastic. And, and I've never, Tim left nothing in his tank, man, when he preached. It was all out there, it was empty and, and the sweat and the young people, it was awesome. And I just love that they, that they find a space and a place, not just there, but here as well. But that was an awesome moment where different youth groups were there. And, and you know, we want to see them thrive. We want to see them do better than we could ever do. That is our heart for our kids. It would be a dysfunctional parent to want your children to not do better than you. And so we want to have that as our heart to throw. What does it mean to throw our cloak over them? It means to invest in the next generation. Um, I remember early when I just come on, you know, really on, switched on for the Lord at around 19, 18, 19. And uh, one of the elders in the church at the time said, Brad, I want you to, if you're interested, would you meet with me every Wednesday night? And we're just going to read through Ephesians together. And I thought, oh, yeah, sounds a bit boring, but I'll do it anyway. I'm on fire for God, but we're going to read that Bible thing, all right? <laughs> But man, I'd, so I'd drive about 40, 50 k's to his farm and we'd just sit there and go through Ephesians and read and talk and it would just become a place where I could share. And it was amazing. And it was them nights that I would drive back on my own and I'd get out of the car and I'd just, in the paddock, start preaching. You know, he was investing into me and I just felt the life of God in me. And I remember just preaching to, to paddocks. And I'd just be doing this and going for it. And I mean, I, a few wheat crops got saved and a few lupins. <laughs> We bowed our heads and closed our eyes and 
But I did, and, and what he was investing, it's a powerful thing when somebody else just says, I will give you something that I cannot get back, and that's my time. That's my time. That's how we spell love, isn't it? T-I-M-E. And God is looking for people that will throw their cloak on the next generation. I love some of the stories I've already heard about people in this church that regularly catch up with younger people, that regularly pray for them and speak into their life. And we want to see that as a culture. More and more and more. Throw your cloak. You know, everybody, you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm, I'm Brad, I don't really have anything to give. My cloak is dirty and empty. And this is what I want to say to us. It is a challenge because... We can't give what we don't have. And one of the best things you can give to another person, to the next generation, is your heart on fire for Jesus. Sometimes we've got to do some self-assessment. We've got to do some self-surgery. We've got to let God work on us so that we can throw our cloak on the next generation. But I tell you what, even if you're struggling, that's okay. Everybody has something. You have a testimony. You have a story of what God's done in your life. And you can invest and impart that onto the next generation. We all have something to give. And I think that's the thing, is developing that more and more in our life. Does that make sense? We want to be a church of cloak throwers. And number two, we want to also, um, just on that though, I listened to a, a pastor, and he said that in his church, I think he's in Sweden, he said in his church, if you're over 20, then he said, then, I, then, then there was almost like, an, if you're over 20, he said, you're ready to start looking back and throwing your cloak, like look, looking back and investing in the next generation. I thought that's really cool. You don't need to be old, grey and wise. Just, just if, you've, if you're walking with Jesus, you've probably been a few steps further than somebody else. So just, just start ministering. Just start loving. Just start serving. Just start being a part of it. Because you just, even if you, I think that's a great, great thought. Number two, throw your cloak. But number two is we need to actually receive the call of God into our life. So, so for, the, for the younger generation, there is, this needs to be a place where, where you can really grab hold of your future in God. And just fall in love with it and see it developed and see it as a safe place. This is a safe place where you can learn to minister. This isn't a religious, toxic, legalistic place. This is safe. You can make mistakes in this church. You can stuff up. You can be broken. You you, you know, I love the Rocks Church. They've got that sign out the front that says, no perfect people allowed. That's a great thing. When I've been there, I just can't take Sky. I can go, but no, it says, no perfect people allowed. (laughs) <laughs> and that's, how, that's the culture we want, that, that it's okay to not be okay. But I'm here to tell you, God doesn't want to leave you not okay. He wants to work in your life. So we need to receive our call. Elisha had to make a decision. The Bible says in verse 20, Elisha then left his oxen and wandered around and, and moseyed on. No, it says, and ran. I love that. He ran after Elijah. He was going to run after the call of God on his life. He was enthusiastic. But he had to make the decision, would I stay in the security of this oxen business? Would I stay looking at the backside of an oxen? Uh, you know, he, he probably was a secure, it probably was uh, a blessed place, it probably had all that he needed, but he had to make a decision, what was he going to do? And to do that, he had to come out from his own leadership, so to speak, and come under another leadership. And that is the call for the next generation to actually come, come under somebody else's leadership to say, hey, I want to learn and grow from you. The best leaders are always the best followers. Amen. We can't lead well if we haven't learned to follow well. It's such an important principle. And Elisha was learning this. And God is looking for us that would run after his call on our life. 
You know, Jesus threw his cloak on us when he said, and I've said it before last week, that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I give you the Holy Spirit. I give you the same power that rose Jesus from the dead on the inside of you. I'm throwing everything on you. Now, will you come after me? Will you follow me? May the dust of your, uh, of your uh, rabbi be on you. The old saying, the, the Jewish saying, may the dust of your rabbi be on you because when they would choose to follow a rabbi, you'd get that close to them, that close to their feet, their dust would kick up and be on you. That's how close it is to follow Jesus, to be right with him and say, Lord, I'm coming after you. No distractions in my life. Jesus has thrown the mantle to us when he said, come and follow me. He said it to some fishermen. And they had to leave their nets behind. He said it to Elisha. Elijah said it, and he had to leave his oxen behind. My question for you is, what do you need to leave behind this year to fully embrace God's call on your life? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to not place your security in? What is the nets that you need to let go of? Because, you know, there's a great saying that you hear around church all the time, and it says this, God has a great plan for your life. It's a great saying, and, and I love it. It's great. But what if we put it this way? Do you have a life for God's plan? God may have a great plan for your life, but the real question is, do you have a life? Do you have a blank page that will let him write a plan? Because so often we, we've written the intro, and, the, and God, you can do a bit here, but God is looking for a life that is saying, the oxen, they're gone. I'm focusing on the call of God on my life. And for the interns that are giving up a day, a week to come on the Fridays and to be invested into and to serve and to grow, that's a powerful thought that you're leaving something behind. You're making a sacrifice. And I tell you what, sacrifice is what God's successes in our life. Amen? It really is. You know, there's a famous story of a, a, a Spanish explorer by the name of Hernando Cortez. And Hernando is famous because hundreds of years ago, they were trying to get some ground, take over Mexico, and they couldn't even get a colony, colony they couldn't get anything because every time they went, they, they always got defeated by the enemy. But Hernando was a different kind of a leader. He was a leader that knew what it was like to leave the past behind. So what he did was he had 600 men, he got them on the boats, and they, and they drove to the, the shores of Mexico there where they would get off the shores. And he knew that they'd be outnumbered three to one, and they were outnumbered three to one in some of their battles. And he knew that in their minds that they could be tempted to, to, to give up, to retreat after, on this call. So what he did was he gets to the shores and he gets them all out of the boats. And, 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 and I, I could just see him there lining them all up and getting, and then he gets all the uh, possessions off, get all your possessions off, they get everything off. And I could see the, the soldiers probably thinking, oh, well, okay, what are we doing now? And I could just imagine he turned them all around. That's the story. True story goes, right then and there, he burnt the boats. He burnt the ships that brought them there. Their only way of retreat was now sunken and gone. They were like, okay, and why did they win the battles? Why did they win when they were outnumbered? Why? Because they had a spirit that said, I'm going after this. There is no retreat. There's no going back now. It's go forward and conquer or die doing it. And they conquered. Because they burnt the ships. I want to ask you this morning, what ships do you need to burn that you keep going back to? Jesus said in Luke 9, verse 62, he said, Any man having put his hand to the plough and looks back is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. See, Elisha made a decision when he burnt the oxen and had a barbecue, where he made a decision, I'm not going back to that. 
I can't go back to that now. I am sold out and I'm, sacri- and I'm going forward. And that's not just the younger generation need to do that. That's all generations need to do that. Do you have a life for God's plan? And lastly, not only that, to work together well in, in our generations as Elijah and Elisha did. I mean, this is just the beginning. They would have had their ups and downs. They would have had their moments, I'm sure. But, but how do you begin well? Well, throw our cloaks on others. How do we begin well? Receive the call of God into your life and say, this is the year I'm going to make following God my number one priority in life. It's the best decision you could make. So I leave us with this thought here. Number three is surrender our lives. So Elisha went back, took the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, and he just fully surrendered his whole life. Elisha was giving some things up, his security, everything. I love that thought. And Jesus said himself, he said, you know, no one can serve two masters. You either love one and hate the other. And Jesus, God is a jealous God. He, he, he wants our whole lives surrendered to him. So maybe you're here this morning and you haven't done what Elisha did when he said, I'm going to go and kiss the family goodbye. I'm going to, I'm going to kiss some things goodbye in 2022. I'm going to kiss some distractions goodbye. I think at the start of uh, February, there's, um, just to just side note, I just thought of it then if, uh, to encourage you, I think I saw it on uh, Facebook, is uh, about three days in Perth of prayer and fasting with different churches across the, the city. Uh, I think it's from January 1st, but don't quote me. If you Google it or look on Facebook, you can find out. I think it'd be a great thing to be a part of that, to, 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 to pray and fast into this year to say, Lord, I just want to be surrendered. Things in my life that need to fall away. Lord, would you just do a work in me? So we might, I'll find out more about that and maybe put it in the um, newsletter. But he was kissing everything goodbye. Jesus put it this way. He said, to take up our cross and follow him. Anyone, anyone who wants to save his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life for his sake and for the gospel will find it. Isn't that the truth? True life is found in letting go and surrendering and not holding on. And everybody knew in that day when Jesus would say, take up your cross and follow me, everybody knew what that meant. (laughs) If you were taking up a cross in Jerusalem, you were only going in one direction (laughs) and you weren't coming back. It was over. And that's the sort of commitment that Jesus calls us to, to take up our cross daily and say, Lord, my life is your life now and to follow him with everything. As the music team come back up and I'm going to pray for us in a moment. And I want to challenge us about some of these points about really being surrendered to the Lord, about really being that church where we celebrate all generations, but we do intentionally focus on the next generation. I'm going to ask just uh, if, if we can, if you're Joe, Joe, our, our children's pastor's here, if you're involved in any of the kids' church area as a leader, can, we just, can you stand up? Can I pray for you as where you are? Can we just pray over them? So anyone else involved in volunteering with kids? And we'll go youth as well, because that's the next generation. Youth or young adults, any volunteers? Yep, there's more around. So could you stand, while you're around, let's pray. Well, let's just pray for these people and commit them for 2022. They're serving in that area. So why don't you, if you want to feel free and comfortable to stretch out your hands in faith, Father, we just lift up these wonderful volunteers, the servant-hearted people, Lord, that have got their hands to the plough investing in the next generation. Father, we pray over Joe. Father, we just pray your blessing over her for the kids' ministry that's going to take off 
in the next uh, week and uh, this for term one. Lord, would you fill her with everything she needs as she's already got it? Would she know it's there? Fill her afresh with your spirit. Give her insights that she's never had before. Give her creative ideas that come from you. Uh, help her, Lord, with her team. We pray for her harmony and blessing upon the kids' ministry team. And we pray over our next generation, Lord, that they would go further and better than we could ever go. We pray for the youth, Lord, for Tim, for James, our youth coordinator, for the interns. We pray for the volunteers. Lord, we just stretch out our hands in faith to say, bless them. Thank you that they're equipped and empowered. Lord, may every Friday night count this year in a supernatural way. May young people have a, not just an encounter with a youth group, but an encounter with the God who loves them. Lord, may our ministries just be a vehicle for you to powerfully move through. We pray and we thank you. We thank you. Would everyone stand together? When we stand together, I'm going to continue to pray. Father, as we're here in this attitude of worship, we stand in your presence. Would you continue to equip us, Lord, by your power, by your word, by your spirit, to be a cloak-throwing church? Right now, as we're just in this attitude of worship, I'm asking Holy Spirit, just maybe drop names into people's hearts or faces or pictures. Lord, people that we can be investing in intentionally. We don't thank you that we don't have to know everything just to love and invest in someone. I just feel in my heart to really pray for, and maybe this is for you this morning, to pray for younger generation people who are not walking with the Lord. Lord, maybe that, that's in your family. You're like, I don't know, but I just feel to pray. Father, we just pray for young people that have drifted away, young people that haven't found a foundation in you, that next generation, Lord, that we don't want to see lost, don't want to see missed. Father, would you bring them back this year, the year that they come home to the Father's house, Father. We pray for them, for, Father, that you would draw them by your Spirit. We pray that they would get to the end of themselves and look to you, Jesus. We pray that they would find the thirst quencher in you and nothing else, Lord. That their hunger for meaning would be found in you and nothing else, Father. We pray that this would be a place, Father, where the next generation come home in Jesus' name. Back to the Father's house. Father, I just also pray over people who are not in their youth and young adult years, Lord, this morning, but they're... They're in their senior years. I just pray a blessing over you this morning. I pray, Father, that we can have the wisdom and the direction upon the lives of the arrows in this place. Lord, I thank you for lives here that have had, got experience of walking with Jesus. And we don't take that for granted. Lord, I thank you for this church that we have every generation. Lord, would you show us how to, to all be used by you to invest and minister to one another. So, Father, we thank you this morning. We give you glory. We give you praise. And I'm going to close off. But as always, if you need prayer this morning, you want to come forward for prayer, um, feel free to do that. There's people that will pray for you. But um, God bless you. And over to the worship team. Thanks, Tim.